Talk of the Clones, presented by Best One Since the Next One. I'm your trusty Star Wars correspondent, Stephanie. And I'm her Star Wars obsessed twin, Allison. And we're a couple of real life renegade clones who will be covering our favorite fictional renegade clones as we discuss season two of The Bad Batch. Woo! Um, yeah, so we are talking about episode three of The Bad Batch season two, The Solitary Clone. It's a big one. It's it's a really good one. Um, it's written by Amanda Rose Munoz, directed by Saul Ruiz, uh, and starring Dee Bradley Baker as not the uh, general members of The Bad Batch. They aren't in this one, but as... Crosshair and Commander Cody and all the other wonderful clone troopers. And then we've got Matthew Wood back with his wonderful, silly battle droid voices. Max Middleman as Governor Groton. Great name, both in terms of the character and the actor. Okay, and then we got um, Tazia Valenza as Tawny Ames. And that's the governor lady. We'll get to that. And we've got Noshir Dalal as Vice Admiral Rampart back again. I don't know. Overall thoughts? What did you think about the episode? Wow. Big thoughts. Um, I don't know how to condense my thoughts because I have a lot of them. It was phenomenal. It was really a lot for just episode three. Clearly, the context... Um, or if uh, what I'm trying to say is if this is setting the scene for what this season is going to be, we are, um, it's just going to be punched in the face. I think this season. Yeah. Uh, bad batch season two is not fucking around. (laughs) Let's just get that out of the way. We are going to be figuratively and literally punched in the face because I will be, it'll, it'll happen. I thought season one wasn't fucking around. No, I really Season one of The Bad Batch was so consistently good and so consistently, I don't know, just firing on like all the cylinders that I felt like Clone Wars took so long to fire on. Mm-hmm. And that's not not a dig at Clone Wars. It just took Clone Wars, we all know, a little bit of time to get to it, the uh, um, masterpiece sta- standard that it eventually ended up at. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, around season three, it started really getting there, but like... Well, a lot of shows in general, I mean, there's there's a general rhythm to a new series where it finds its footing the first season and eventually it starts, you know, kind of raising the stakes. And then, like, it really starts, you know, hitting its stride, usually on season two or season three. But with Bad Batch, it just at the very beginning. And I know I'm repeating myself because I think I said something like this last last time or I just am always saying this about Bad Batch. It really just felt like it was the momentum that Clone Wars ended on going straight into the new series. Yeah, I just, it blew me away. And I am so, I don't know. I didn't think that, the, I, I, I was, I expected equally good quality from season two, but I'm not sure I expected them to surpass it. And the fact that they're going this this deep on just the third episode says a lot. So I'm pretty excited. Yeah. I guess we'll get into it as we talk about it. But Gird yeah. your loins for this season. Oh, yeah, for real. I can tell. Um, so, yeah, let's start talking about episode three, The Solitary Clone, a really bleak episode. Um, it opens. Yeah, it's just rough. 
Yeah, it's it's not a good time for anyone involved. Okay, so so it opens on the separatist world of Desix. Um, I don't think we've ever seen this world before. I don't think so. No, I'm. I don't sure recognize it. Um, and there's imperial ships landing. There's sirens going off. This skeezy imperial governor is landing. Governor Groton and some stormtroopers, and they come to relieve the governor, the current governor of Desix, Tawny Ames, I believe that's how it's pronounced, from her uh, position, because now it's the Empire, and Governor Groton's like, this is my job now. And then she's like, uh, nope, no, that's not happening. And she reveals that they have a bunch of battle droids, and they capture Groton and... They're holding him hostage. First of all, the concept of like this planet, like I don't know much about how this planet works, but I'm gathering that there's some kind of resource around like some kind of red ore because there's this dusty red coloring to everything in this red ore that's like covering the streets. It gives it all a very kind of ominous feeling. It's just kind of, it seems like very um, bleak. And then... That coupled with the fact that this governor clearly, he's a lot of talk, but he's clearly like freaked out. Like he's shitting himself coming down. He knows that he's coming into a dicey situation. I don't know what kind of like intel they got, what kind of sense of what the diplomatic situation on this planet was going to be. But he knows it's not going to be an easy handoff. So I'm not really sure why he came with, with you know, such a small... I don't know what the technical term is. A very small battalion envoy. That was the word I was searching for, envoy. So no one's surprised about what happens next. At least I'm not. We cut back to another bleak scene, which is Crosshair, all by his lonesome. And he's waking up in his lonely room. Are they on some sort of clone base? Um, I think that they're on um, Coruscant. Because isn't this the same place that... I think they might be on Coruscant. I'm not sure. Yeah, exactly. because that's is that where the the memorial wall is? I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. I think that wasn't. Um, people have been saying that Ahsoka was running by. It. We'll get there, but I think Ahsoka okay. was running by it during her like, uh, like when she's running from the right the people, whole she got to catch the Jedi sort of. Yeah, thing. Crosshair wakes up. He's looking kind of depressed. He goes to eat his food in a depressing cafeteria, not very full of clones. He sits down. The other clones like look at him like freaking mean girls and move over to another you table. You can't sit with us. <laughs> yeah, vibes like what? What? Honestly, and then he gets called into Rampart's office. You know, nobody. He keeps getting interrupted in the middle of his meal. No wonder he's like so miserable. Does he get to eat anything? He just is having a bad time. He's really having a bad time. Okay, so we go into the office and Rampart's there. We saw him before. He's, mm-hmm. he's not being, he knows now that the Bad Batch is still alive. So he's mm-hmm. talking to Crosshair about like, oh yeah, how long were you out there on that little platform in Camino? And it turns out he was out there for like a little over a month. I know. I heard that and I was like, what is that story? How, how did that happen? How did you survive? I, I, did he fish? I don't know. I, we need like a little mini series of, of that that's like, like a survival story. How did you like, what about exposure? Like, how did he not like die of dehydration? I'm so confused. 
There's he made obviously an answer, but how? He made it work, but apparently he's been recovering, so, you know, he needed mm-hmm. some recovery time. Jeez, well, I mean, I would imagine. But he clearly didn't tell Rampart that, like, the Bad Batch is still alive. Right, and that's what Rampart is, is angling at. Crosshair's still doing this whole thing where he's like, I gotta be doing this clone trooper thing where I'm following orders and these are the people giving me my orders. But he's also like committing a big disobeying of orders by not telling them that the rest of the Bad Batch is still alive. Yes. It's Interesting. like the exception that kind of defines his character at this point. So Rampart's like, I got a job for you. Uh and he's like, oh, who? I'm going to be leading a battalion. He's like, no, you're going to be reporting to this clone. He gives them the number. And then they go to the, uh, he goes to meet this clone who's going to be commanding him. And it's our old buddy, Cody. Uh-huh. Yeah. And we knew he was going to be here because we yeah. saw the trailers. And, I mean, it was also just, like, only a matter of time because this whole show is all about, like, reckoning with the clones. And it. Cody was such an integral character in the Clone Wars. And then last we saw him in Revenge of the Sith, he's trying to kill Obi-Wan, who was like best friends with throughout the Clone Wars. And you're like, huh, no. And then like, now he's back, which is a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have like, a, I have a big affection for Cody. I've always loved him. And I am just more than anything, just relieved to see that he's alive and not... I guess not, what what am I saying? Not dead and not completely brainwashed because I mean, I like the fact that this show is demonstrating that the chip and whatever it kind of does to the neural brain works of the clones doesn't last. And at this point, it's starting to wear off for most of them where Mm -hmm. they're able to kind of reflect on what they did during Order 66 and have mixed feelings about it. And I just didn't want my last taste of Cody to be him just responding without question to the orders and turning around and trying to kill Obi-Wan. I always hated that. It always made me really sad. So Mm -hmm. even if he's not in a happy place right now, just knowing that he's thinking for himself again is like a huge weight off of my shoulders. It's nice. I mean, it's it feels horrible to know that he has some sort of memory of doing that. And what must he think about that after everything that he went through with Obi-Wan? But it's nice to know that he's like, he's not all gone. Right. He still has a chance. Like, they all still have a chance at this point, which is part of what this is about. The revelation that this show has been exploring slowly, that the effects of the chip are temporary and seem fairly temporary because this is Mm -hmm. only... It like probably just a little over a year from what I've gathered, maybe less even from Order 66 happening. Mm-hmm. And already the clones are like, why did we do that? Mm-hmm. And that is insane. It's not like it, did, it didn't turn them into these robots. But like if they saw a Jedi again, would they still do it? I don't At this know. stage? I don't think not? so. I kind of feel like no. But the, 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 the Jedi are no longer a factor. So why would... I mean, something we've learned about the Empire is they never plan that far ahead. They probably wouldn't have considered that, you know, that's not a fail safe for them to be like, oh, well, they're forever going to be triggered to kill Jedi. No, that's not that's not how it works. And they don't think that far ahead. Something seems like this show will explore that because there's really not leaving any area of this whole thing 
unexplored, which is yeah, really cool. I would be yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, um, and I was going to say something else about it too. That I think that it's it's interesting that the empire is now moving to so quickly uh, replace the clones, and I don't know. I was going to say something about how the empire considers them so disposable, but we'll get to that later. I feel like I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's continue with what we're saying. Um, Cody reveals that he specifically requested crosshair, which gave me feelings because, you know, he Mm -hmm. met the bad batch during the arc uh, in the final season of clone wars back before Order 66 and like Mm -hmm. got to go through feelings with them and be impressed by them. And then now Mm -hmm. he's picking the only one and, and he's like, Oh yeah. And I heard the rest of them defected. So he's been keeping up with it. Which is interesting. And I wonder if he's thinking, he's like, I didn't know that was an option. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Foreshadow. I know. So then... Again, sorry, I keep on getting ahead of myself. I just have so many thoughts. They they go to this place, uh, Desix, and then they're going to go get this guy back. And they have an order to, like, r- retrieve Governor Groton by any means necessary. But the thing is, these people have a bunch of battle droids, Clone War era battle droids, that somehow they reprogrammed or something so that they didn't get shut down when the war ended. Right. Well, I mean, I think it's crucial that it's a separatist, former separatist system. Yeah. That it, based off of what I'm gathering, never really considered the war to be over in any official capacity. So as far as they're concerned, they're still fighting as separatists mm-hmm. and they still have their entire separatist army with the, all of your favorite, you know, MVPs of the separatist droid army and all still in working order. So they're just kind of carrying on the way they were during the clone wars. Yeah. Which is wild to see because this is really not that far after the clone Wars, So it's not mm-hmm. surprising that this would be a thing. Yeah, I imagine um, it must have happened in other systems too, because like yeah. it's not really thought about, but it's one hundred percent possible. They ref- they reference a shutdown, like like some sort of situation where they just flipped a switch and all the droid armies shut down. Obviously, that can't always work for everything, because you know droids can be custom programmed and stuff. Yeah, and I mean, all of these droids are at this point have been in service of these specific systems they've probably figured out ways to keep them you know i mean like hack through various systems to make them more efficient and you know just like anything else the umpire's concept of how to you know just flip a switch and fix a problem probably doesn't work on the ground this is fascinating because these are clones going in on a mission that is very much like a Clone Wars mission, something they're familiar with. And we mm-hmm. as the viewer are familiar with it too. This episode is very intentionally hitting nostalgia buttons for the viewers, recognizing mm-hmm. that the viewers will have watched the Clone Wars and will recognize this sort of mission, this sort of story. A yeah. bunch of clones going beats. in against battle droids. And so we get this really fun action sequence that's just right out of the Clone Wars where it's Cody and it's Crosshair and it's them versus Matthew Wood voiced uh, goofy silly battle droids 
and droidicas. Yeah, you hear them rolling in and you know, you know what's going to happen. But even that is like saying like nostalgia factor because you hear the rolling sound and you get so excited. I was mm-hmm. like, yes, droidicas. And that like, burr, 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 kind of laser that is distinctly them. Yeah, and you're like thinking of Phantom Menace and you're mm-hmm. thinking of the Clone Wars and you're thinking you're seeing all the fun things that you always remember from those things where it's like they're going to roll the the um, grenades into the force field to blow them up or all these yeah. fun things. Cruel, creative ways to get them. And then you've got the super battle droids and they're entering the Citadel where the, the guy is being held hostage and... Oh man, it's just so good. And you're you're rooting for them. And you're like, what what the hell am I doing? These are who am I supposed to be rooting for right now? Like I was cheering on Crosshair. Well, of and course, Cody. I want C- Crosshair and Cody to be okay cuz I don't want them to get hurt. So obviously, I'm going to be rooting for them. But I also recognize that this is in service of the empire. It's a big whole confusing bundle of emotions 100% intentionally they're doing this to like really drive it home that like that war was pointless that war we got so emotionally invested in during the clone wars was a sham these guys are still like falling into their their habits of this being like i mean and they fought in it they their entire identities are based around it so it's not going to be created for for it yeah yeah and I mean, okay, that stairwell scene with all the little shiny pucks that he had to, that crosshairs throwing on the wall and it's causing the lasers to go. And then Cody has to throw out, oh man, that scene was so good. Mm-hmm. Just like Can great action. Can we just dial back a little bit? Because I just want to give a little bit of a chef's kiss star rating to that moment when the battle droid gets disabled and sinks into the force field space of the droidica and explodes and simultaneously explore explodes the droidica like to get i've never seen that before and it was was so so cool it was so rad like it was like the most incredible droidica explosion i've ever seen with just this slow kind of sinking into the into the force field and then it's just like it was really cool my favorite part of like this episode is just such a great example of how masterful this show is that like this is an intentionally confusing like emotionally and thematically confusing action sequence in terms of like you don't know who you're supposed to be rooting for it's intentionally trying to get your nostalgia going it's intentionally making you question the nostalgia but also they still manage to put in so many cool things that you've never seen in a Star Wars thing before. I mean, like, there's so much Star Wars. And I'm Mm -hmm. always surprised when good Star Wars, and this goes for Bad Batch, this goes for Andor, this goes for new movies and things, when it's good and it can still manage to show you something in an action sequence that's, like, incredibly cool and unique and you've never seen it before. You've never seen it before in Star Wars, which is, like, a 40-plus-year-old franchise. So much stuff happens in it, and you're like, whoa, that was awesome. And, like, we've seen the Bad Batch. But it's also in service of giving you emotional whiplash because you're supposed to be invested in the moral complexity of the story but you're caught up in it too we've seen the bad batch do action sequences we've seen clones fight battle droids before it's just so cool that they can still have cool stuff we've seen cool stuff that crosshair does with his little reflective pucks but we never saw anything like this with the spiral staircase and the throwing it's, things and yeah it's like they can simultaneously 
push our nostalgia buttons by being like, you know the beats of this, you know how this works, but still make it so unexpected. It's just masterful. All right. So they get up to the where they have to make their way through some super battle droids, fighting, fighting, fighting. And finally, they get through to where uh, the um, governor Groton is being held hostage by the governor Ames. And she knows that like they're here to kill her. She mm-hmm. apparently they were supposedly arriving under a diplomatic mission, but she knew that was yeah. a lie. She called bullshit on that immediately because mm-hmm. she's a smart, smart person. person. Yeah, and then she also reveals that she had worked in attempting to stop the war back during the Clone Wars uh, with our friend Mina Bonteri, who is another well-known separatist that they had a a bill that was attempting to bring peace to the war and it was rejected. So she's basically saying, yeah, you rejected our attempt at peace, which is why I am now noting that peace was never an option and it's only violence. And that's why I am doing this. Mm -hmm. I mean, so now I remember that those events from the Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't remember if she was there in that series of episodes, but clearly if she wasn't there within the episodes, um, I don't think she was, then she was working, you know, behind the scenes in that. And the fact that it called back to those episodes that in and of themselves were like, what is really going on here? Because we know this is a sham war, but it still involves real people and real politics and real questions about what the separatist systems want and that she's so jaded by this at this point that she knows that peace is never an option but at the same time she's willing to be to make this statement even though she knows that it's going to end with you know her life you know she knows there's no way for her system to survive this and she knows there's no way for her herself to survive this but she's still making the statement it's really bleak and then Cody is like, well, peace is an option now. Mm-hmm. He's essentially oh, saying. And I'm just like, no, you sweet summer child. Oh, no. He really is like, listen, I don't, we don't need to kill you. I'm putting down my weapon. Oh, this broke me. This was so they really. So she's like, okay. He's like, do this for your people, please. She, re- he, she releases the hostage guy. And he's like, kill her, execute her. And Cody's like, I just promised her that I wouldn't. And he's like, well, that's an order. And then Crosshair just shoots her, mm-hmm. even though Cody was And she is, like, cognizant enough right before she dies that you can tell she's not surprised that even though he was saying, oh, peace is an option, she still knew that she was going to get shot because there's no way that she can walk away from this. So mm-hmm. she wasn't surprised and was kind of like, well, I proved my point. You know, that was just kind of like the the way that she that she died was with that kind of sentiment. But Cody seems genuinely like upset and surprised and and like, oh, oh, my God. I was just I felt so terrible because I know that he meant it like he really did think maybe this is the way out for everybody is to just say that. Peace is now an option. This is what the Empire is trying to bring. We can find a way out of this. I can negotiate. People can walk away from this. He's been told that the Empire's job is to bring peace and stability. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. So and- he doesn't feel like in his heart that he's promising a lie when he says that. Mm-hmm. And still, it's mm-hmm. it's a lot. And then we have this stunning sequence. Kevin Kleiner's music is going crazy. What else is new? He knows how to do it. It's so good. There's no dialogue. It's just really drawn out. Now, is it Kevin Kiner or now? I'm sorry. It's the, it's like Kiner is the Kiner siblings, the Kiner brothers, right? They're doing it yeah. together. I okay. think so, so. But the Kiner music, Kiner, the Kiner music is music. going crazy. I, I don't want to discredit Kiner number two. Yeah. Okay. So it's going crazy and it's so good. It's so like moody and interesting, just like it was near the end of Clone Wars and last season of Bad Batch. And we just have this sequence where Cody is just looking as the clone troopers who took the city are loading up onto transports to go back to whatever clone base they came from. And he's noting the battalions of stormtroopers coming in non-clone stormtroopers coming in on these other transports and how so much there's so many more of them than there are of clone troopers and just you see on his face this realization that he knows now in a way that he didn't before that the clone troopers are being fully replaced there's no use for them anymore it's like the literal replacement They are literally defunct now. Yeah. And it's in that combined with that moment previous where he was told to do something that was in contrast to what he felt like he was created for. And there's so much said without any dialogue. I just think it's so bold that this show is so willing to do so much showing, not telling, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) in a show that's like, Half hour episodes, animation, supposedly family friendly, although this season seems to be getting pretty dark and heavy. Last season, same. I yeah. Mean- I felt like it took a while for Clone Wars to sometimes get to this point without being like super exposition. Like, you know, it took they, they got to this point, but it, it took a little longer. But like this show is being very bold and just being like, yeah, we're just showing you what's happening. You got to read the performances on these animated characters faces and you got to read the themes and stuff that's happening. We don't even have to have dialogue to explain what's going on. You, It's treating the audience with a level of respect and expectation of like intelligent media viewership that I just feel like is so wonderful. It reminds me of watching Andor, which is pretty exciting to say about a you know half hour animated show. Mm-hmm. Yes, there are a lot of parallels. So yeah, they go back to the clone trooper base on Coruscant and they're standing back in front of the the monument and Cody and Crosshair are having a conversation and Cody's like, do you think what we're doing is making the galaxy a better place? And Crosshair's like, well, it doesn't really matter. Our job is to follow orders. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't have to have the big thoughts. Exactly. And then Cody's like, well... What makes us different from droids is that we have the power to make our own decisions mm-hmm. and choices, mm-hmm. and we have to live with those choices, too. Yep. And then he walks away. And then we cut back to Lonely Crosshair, back in his dining room, dining hall in his suite. He gets called back to Ramparts. Mm-hmm. Ramparts like, uh, I have another Again, interrupting him from his meal. Yep, never letting him eat, which is like, I feel like he's doing that on purpose. Yeah, he has to be. He must know. 
Rampart's he knows what like, his lunch hour is. It's on the yeah. schedule. <laughs> he's like, all right, I got another mission for you. And he tells him which clone trooper he's uh, working with. And he's like, what about Cody? Rampart's like, well, uh, he's gone to AWOL. And he says, clones around you. He says something to the effect of, it's interesting, clones around you always seem to disappear. Ooh. And then he's like, that's the end of the episode. Oh my god, such a good ending. I'm just going to get on that for a little bit before we get into the big feelings. But like, that is such a great exchange of dialogue between them because Rampart knows that Crosshair knows that Rampart knows, but he can't say anything at this point because he officially doesn't know. And if he does, then that's on him. But Crosshair can't, I mean, Rampart can't say anything because that's on him if he admits that he let the Bad Batch go. So he's playing this circle around it game where the Empire won't officially be able to pin anything on him. But you know that Crosshair knows that he knows that Crosshair knows. It's this, it's this whole ridiculous, almost Hitchcockian kind of needling that's going on between them. And it's so good because it's just building on what happened at the end of the last episode to kind of lay the groundwork for whatever this this arc is going to be with Rampart sort of picking up the pieces from what he's found out. And it's very ominous, but also just and like chilling, but also just like, you know, you just want to like clap your hands together because it's so it's so good. Mm hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it's gonna. That's setting up some crazy mind game situations yes. going on for it this. It feels season. Hitchcockian or something. Yeah, it's it's wild, and just to have that just be fully conveyed in this one little conversation. Oh, and so what good. do you what do you think about Rampart saying that clones around him seem to be disappearing? Seem to just disappear. Well, he's talking about the Bad Batch because on a literal level now he knows that the batch that the rest of them are still alive you know they were presumably on that platform with him too and then when they found him he was alone you know and that's him needling oh i know that this is what happened and now you know that i know but i can't say anything but this is me signaling that i'm on to you like i'm coming for you and i'm gonna figure this out because i don't trust you anymore yeah i mean it's also in reference to the you know, the rest of the batch going AWOL, being some of the first clones to go AWOL at the beginning of it all. And, and you know, Crosshair didn't. And then this is another clone just disappearing after going on a mission with Crosshair. And so it is a pattern that, you know, he's alluding to on top of his, I know that they're still alive kind of subtle dig that he's going for in this conversation. He's subtly hinting that he thinks that Crosshair is having some influence on these clones. Yeah. Making their own decisions and thinking for themselves, which is interesting because I think Crosshair himself is probably like, why does this keep happening? Because he is so, he has convinced himself that he, he has to follow orders to make everything make sense. 
Mm-hmm. He is so by the book. He is like the perfect soldier, constantly doing exactly as he's told, following orders, not questioning authority, not seeing the bigger picture. But everybody around him is, and it does seem like ironic. It seems kind of cruelly ironic that he's always the last one left standing and Rampart's just kind of pointing that out. The audience is noticing it too at this point. Yeah, something that I I always thought about Crosshair last season is that amongst the the Batch, he seems the most ashamed or insecure of being a clone. Like he's very insistent that they're different. Like when we see the original Bad Batch arc, he's very insistent that they're different. They're not like the other clones. He seems to really look down on the regs and be like, we are special, we're different. And there's this like, this shame kind of underneath it of him being like, we're we're not like them. Mm-hmm. I, we, I have to convince myself that we're better because otherwise that, I don't want to like accept that we're not special because then that makes me feel like I'm just like a cog in a machine. And then once order 66 hits, I feel like he deals with that by just going all in because if he were to admit that they were as manipulated as the rest of the clones, it's why he's like still doing this order following thing. Even after he got his chip removed, he's, he has to like dig his heels in and be like, no, we're, we're able to make our own decisions. My decision is just to follow orders because if I admit that when I was doing, cause he's the one clone that order 66 worked on. And mm-hmm. if he's able to accept that he did that because he was just as subject to the chip as everyone else, then like mm-hmm. his whole thing is not, he can't stand on that. Like, superiority of like we're able to make our own decisions so he has to be like no i did make my own decision i decided to follow orders but like this is falling apart for him now yeah it's all falling apart for him because he can't justify it anymore because all of the regs who he always thought were less than him are questioning authority so now he's using that as like his the hill he's going to die on um and it's and just he, yeah he it's just like Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's just kind of like he's, he's, you know, I don't even remember what I was going to say. I want to hear what you're going to say. I don't think I was going to say He thought he was less than them. He thought that they were less than him, not because it was really just born out of the fact of how he was dealing with the concept of being a clone. Like this whole show is about what does it mean and clone wars about this was about this too but this show even more so what does it mean to be a clone what does it mean to be a human being capable of emotions and independent thinking whose sole reason for existing is to be a soldier to be mm-hmm. essentially a human battle droid it's like this whole theme of of this show is like the empire turns humans into machines but the clones were already that. They just were, were treated like humans by the, by the Jedi, but they were already dealing with these dehumanizing feelings of having been created solely for war. 
now they're trying to figure out how they fit in a world in which they are irrelevant anymore. And like, if they were droids, they'd just be deprogrammed or shut down, but they're human beings and that can't happen for them. But like, the empire is still like, no, because we don't consider humans to be humans. And it's like crosshairs coping with this by being like, I make my own decisions, but I have to justify that I was controlled by letting my decisions align with that. And yet he can't do that very much longer. Yeah, that's and that's kind of the point of the entire series, isn't it? And it's also the extension of what the Clone Wars is about. And also, I think it's the extension of what this whole what Star Wars is about. It's about like the possibility of what does it mean to think for yourself and to be still human being with a moral center within a totalitarian system? Yeah, which is like. You know, I mean, so that's something that George Lucas has been exploring since THX 1138. Like, this is a big thing for him. And it's like, I think it's really the center of Star Wars, which is why, for me, Andor was such a breath of fresh air for me. Because, like, to focus... And this is another reason I enjoyed Rebels so much. And Rebels had a lot of Jedi stuff in here. But I love Star Wars best when it's about the political and it's about themes of determining your own future and it's about Mm -hmm. making your own decisions and it's about how individuals can overcome like fascism Mm -hmm. and it's it's not i don't i just i don't think star wars is primarily about the jedi and i just uncontroversial opinion but like when star wars sings for me it the jedi are part of it sometimes but like that's not what it's really about it's about making sense of what is good and what is right within the context of like of like systemic and like big power evil like the kind that the empire represents. Yeah, and it's like it's so much more than the dark side of the force. Like it's about the tides of like history and it's about I don't know, war. It's about all these things that are just like so relevant. I was thinking during this episode a lot about how I think the Bad Batch and Andor, and I mentioned this to you when we were watching Andor because I thought it was really relevant. Um, And I think that it's going to continue to be this way through this season that I think those are two sides of what I think is like the core of Star Wars. Andor is one side and the Bad Batch is another and it's what the story is. And I think that this is really summarized and I don't remember the exact wording. So I'm going to summarize here. But part of the manifesto that, you know, makes its way through Andor. And I just remember at the very end how it kind of comes to a conclusion with the final episode about how the core of any kind of totalitarian regime is that it, it it is constantly fighting for its life because it has to control people with a moral center. And that in order to do that, it is constantly on the defensive. And you see that in Andor in so many small ways with the way that people who are trying not to be involved in this fight become involved in this fight because they literally have no other option. Mm -hmm. They can't not be involved 
there's no, they're, they're given no choice. And that's what Andor is essentially about. And then the reason that I think The Bad Batch is such a good companion to Andor is because it tells that same story from the side of the literal cogs within that totalitarianism, which are the soldiers and the clones, which are the soldiers that, as like Cody says, have to live with the decisions that they've made. Because they are also they also have a moral center. They're not droids. They're not machines. So the empire being this totalitarian regime is also on the defensive from within its own ranks because it is so unnatural to mm-hmm. be a part of this kind of system that even within itself, it's going to come apart. Mm-hmm. And you see how that happens with civilians in Andor who don't want to be a part of a fight, but they have to be because they're pushed to that, not by any kind of lofty goals, not by any kind of lofty concepts like the manifesto is all about. And I'm, I'm so, so mad at myself that I can't remember his name. The, the, the author of the manifesto, fluffy haired, yeah, it'll come back to me in just a second. I'll get back to it. It's like literally on the tip of my tongue, but I'm so caught up in my emotions that I can't remember it. But it'll come back to me. Um, a friend. But he is kind of represented the idealism of this concept. But the whole point of it is that it's uh, it's it's more than that. It's about it's about just like basic necessity of like survival is mm-hmm. what will what will drive you to to this fight like you think that it's about self-preservation and it is about self-preservation because you're preserving your own ability to be a human being with a moral center and that's what andor is about and then in the end that is what the bad batch continues to be about because these clones that were literally created to perpetuate this machine can't do it because they're human beings mm-hmm. who have a moral center. So yeah. it's like the the call is coming from inside the house. Like yeah. your own people, this own like weapon that you've created in these human beings that you've built to fight your war for you will not be able to do it because they are human beings. Also, mm-hmm. your replacements, which are also going to be human beings, are also not going to be able to do it because they're human beings and it's never going to be sustainable. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of all I could think about when Cody made that, that speech at the end and then defects. And then it, 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 and even before that, with that visual of the clones being replaced by the cogs of the empire. And it's so, it's so, full of hubris that the empire thinks that they can do this with no problem Mm -hmm. they they're never going to be able to sustain this you know how this is going to work you know that it's going to end up with what we see in andor and what we see in other examples of the beginnings of the rebellion they think that they can just dispose of these you know separatists that were themselves cogs in this machine and then they can replace the clones with you know these new troops that are coming in freshly recruited and they can also be replaced if anything goes wrong with them. And it's never going to work because as long as the empire sees human beings as disposable or as just like 
parts of a machine, they're their that's their weakness. That's what's going to destroy them in the end. And that's what Star Wars is about. And this is all in episode three. Is we're already having this conversation. I know. It's it's insane. I can't believe it. There's gonna be this show is so good, and there's gonna be just so much more of it, I can tell, because they're really getting deep with it. And if you add all of that on top of the themes that were established in episode one and two of like the conflict of wanting to do what's right for like a greater fight with the desire to like give a child a normal life. And then that like they're, they're even complicating that because by adding the aspect that, that the bad batch is trying to raise a child and they're not interested in like exposing her to another war. And they're kind of trying to figure out how not to be soldiers, but they're also being forced to be soldiers again. I'm sorry. I just got it. Nemec. It's Nemec. 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 I'm sorry. I just was like this whole time I was like, I have these big thoughts, but I'm doing this soft boy a disservice that I can't remember his name. It's Nemec. A thousand apologies, Nemec. You did not deserve to be forgotten. No, I I never forgot him. I never forgot him. I just forgot his name for a second. You know how it is. You get caught up and you're like- There's a lot of Star Wars names. And they all sound a little bit like uh, Ferrick, Nemec, uh, Fennec. uh. Now we're talking about episode four, titled Faster. Um, This was a fun one, I would call it, (laughs) which I would say is uh, was a delight and a relief because from what I've heard through the grapevine, this season's going to be pretty intense and heavy and a lot emotionally. And so I'm going to take as many fun ones, quote unquote, as I can get. And no, I will not call it filler. I always like to call it a fun one instead. A break. Uh, And I mean that in the best possible way, especially after what we were just talking about, the last, the tone of the last episode. It was was really heavy. I'm ready for some light fun. I will say this from experience. There's nothing I find more satisfying um, than... And I mean this in the best possible way. The anxiety you get when you are anticipating a new episode of something you know is going to really mess you up the way that Star Wars is possibly going to really mess you up. And then you're usually this is TV related. You're sitting that down, you're watching it, and you pretty quickly get the sense that this is going to be a fun one. It's like the immediate relief. <laughs> It's like a drug. It's the greatest feeling it's ever. So, and I mean it's, that in the best possible It's like canceling way. plans. Yes. It feels like canceling <laughs> plans. But I mean in this the in best. the best possible way. It's a huge compliment, both to the general intensity at which Star Wars goes, and also just for my own health and well-being, that sometimes I just need a fun one. And you don't know. If you've remained unspoiled, you don't know what's coming up in the next episode. And if you get the sense that it's going to be a fun one... You're like, oh my God, I can sleep tonight. I don't have to stay up um, reading, you know, theories on social media and I will be a normal functioning adult tomorrow. And I mean that in a good way. Like, it's not a bad thing. I just had like, you know, it's just like, oh, I just had a, a little session of extremely fun. Everything I love about Star Wars without all of the the sads that Mm -hmm. it often gets. And I mean, like I'd say Andor might be the only example of a show 
that never had a fun one, no. which is okay. It, I mm-hmm. loved Andor, but like it had fun moments. It had oh, great yeah. fun moments where you could breathe a sigh of relief. Andor was a different sort of feeling though, where it was just so consistently excellent that I was also more comfortable with just going along for the ride because I knew that it was going to just be at that tone. There was no like, I knew what I was getting into because there was no, you know, roller coaster of emotions. It was all one emotion. And that emotion was intensity and getting punched in the face, which is fine. I just like to know what I'm going to, what to expect. And, and I, and I also don't mind when a show really does kind of shift tone from episode to episode, because if it's Star Wars and generally, especially with the animation, I've never not loved watching it, even when it's a fun one. True, true, true. Oh, yes. Um, and this was a very fun one. All right, let's get into it. Um, this one featured D. Bradley Baker as Bad Batch. Uh, it was a tech and wrecker side quest, which was such a delight. Mm-hmm. Um and then we had Michelle Ong as Omega, missed her last episode. And then Rhea Perlman as Sid and Ben Schwartz, uh, John Raffio himself as John Raffio. Teo. <laughs> and I was like, well, the whole time watching, I was like, is that? I recognize that voice. And then I was like, yeah, yes, mm-hmm. it was. All right. So this was a super fun episode, a tech centric episode. Woo! I am loving the tech centricity trademark of this series season so far with the first two episodes starring the batch getting him some main character energy with having to fend off an entire you know <laughs> platoon of stormtroopers by himself while you know broken legs and everything and then in this getting to play out his like 80s sports movie fantasies in a very reluctant way. <laughs> reluctantly. Yeah, I would say it's not exactly his fantasy. It's probably just it was, what... it was a little bit like that episode of South Park. That's when, what it reminded me of. Yeah. When um, I think it was Kyle was like stuck in an 80s ski movie. Yeah. And just did not want to be the main character in like an 80s sports like Karate Kid type movie. But just had to go through the motions of it. That's 100%. I thought of that the whole time I was watching. I was like, this is like that episode of South Park. <laughs> <laughs> and when you can say that about a Star Wars episode um, of television, you know you're in for something good. Okay, so we go to Sid's place. We've got Hunter and Echo on some sort of mission that is apparently delivering 50 cases of Nerf Nuggets, which I assume is like Star Wars McNuggets. <laughs> They're they're working for Uber Eats now. Yeah. Yeah, it's clearly... I don't know. Sid has her finger in so many pies. I don't even know. This episode is actually like... There are are important things happening in this episode. And one of the main things is that they are getting really freaking sick of this whole Sid situation. Having to go, yeah, deliver Nerf nuggets. Tech is especially done. He's like, no, this is getting really old. It's like, we're not Uber Eats. And then Sid's like, okay, so I need you two to help me on this other mission. And you need, we need your skills for this. So they go with Sid 
And Omega comes too, because despite the fact that she's a child and they probably shouldn't be taking her on these dangerous missions, she did make them promise in season one that they wouldn't leave her behind. And you know what? Story follow through. That's one thing you that she's really good at. Right. You can't rage on a promise to Omega. She's no. like literal sunshine. So Yeah, exactly. How dare you? Can't make her sad. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they take I mean, her also to- maybe just consider her safety as a Yeah, I mean like well. they they could have brought her on the mission, but then I mean dropped her off at the daycare center or something, and they might have at this racetrack. Uh long story short, there's a racetrack here that they go to. Uh, on a planet called Safatoma. And it is, at first, I was like, <gasps> pod racing? Because they're approaching this big arena, and I hear a sound that sounds like Sebulba's racing engines. And I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. It's not pod racing. It is pod racing because it's close enough to pod racing. And as I've heard pointed out, and as I am not the originator of this, this rule, but in fact, you can't say, now this is pod racing. Unless it's not pod racing. Actually, you're right. Anakin because says, when now, Anakin this is says pod now this is pod racing, it is technically not pod racing. Okay, so now so we so now this is pod racing. This it now this is pod racing for sure. Yeah. It's actually riot racing. Mm-hmm. Which so, is pod racing. Don't yeah. don't think about it too much. Okay. All right. So they're using um something else, not pod racers. Land speeders, modified land speeders. And it's like, um, what the hell is that movie with James Caan? Rollerball? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. like a death match tournament situation. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're shooting at each other. It's a whole thing. Mm-hmm. There shouldn't be a child there. There better be like, yeah, they should have dropped her off someplace child safe, but no. They don't, they never will. Listen they never that. will. And I'm no just, one will ever. Ever. This Clearly, this is like very like um, not not legal because they're like letting children just walk in. And also we see at one point like a, a member of the audience just get shot and die from like a stray laser bolt. So I had to rewind that <laughs> yeah. because it happened so quickly that you missed it. I miss. Yeah, I was looking. And- I was like testing the volume or something. Yeah, and I was like, did someone just die? Did that guy just straight up get shot? And I was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, no, we have to go back. We have to watch this again. I am just like, I know, you know, lawless outer rim worlds, but I was, I was shocked. You were shocked. I was shocked shocked and appalled. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So this is a fun one though, you know? Yeah, it's a fun one, you know. Civilian death. Random civilian death. Yeah. And, you know, other fun things, kid-friendly things. All right. So we're here and Sid's like, that's my racer. And he's a droid named Teo, voiced by John Raffio. Tech is already skeptical because, you know, he's tech. He's skeptical of droids. They're all skeptical of droids because, you know, they fight droids. But also he's like, I'm smarter than you. He has been established as like a core character trait that he is extremely skeptical of droids. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I love tech. <laughs> Me too. I, do. I was like, aw. <laughs> that character trait for some reason. <laughs> um, okay, so then every, yeah, Teo's like, yeah, I'm going to like, I'm so good at this race. I'm bad at this impression. But, you know, he's basically John Raffio as a robot mm-hmm. and a racer. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they cast him because of Sonic. I don't know. Got to go fast. <laughs> 
I literally just made that connection and I'm so mad about it. It's possible. I never saw the movie, but (laughs) I was immediately like, John Raffio. All right. And then basically this big old mean gangster guy comes up and it's like totally like an 80s ski movie or Sebulba coming up at the beginning of the pod race. And he is Greeny Milegi. That's quite, quite a name. It really sounds more like a descriptor. Yeah. Greeny like Milegi. Are- Milegi is green. Yeah, exactly. You've got, it's like a pirate talking about an infection. I was thinking more like, more like um, Mario, speaking of Nintendo or, no, wait. Oh, yeah. how dare I? Sonic is Sega. What the hell? Yeah. Stephanie. Come on, Stephanie. I, you okay. know what? That's. All right. You know what? My, no. Take my nerd card away. Sonic All-Stars versus Nintendo. They did like a okay. an Olympics thing, right? Where they I was never a Sonic. Sonic person, so. No. But it, it, it <laughs> there has been official canon crossover. Okay. So. All right. All right. So, Greeny Mulegi. <laughs> Everybody's tuning into this podcast to hear about Sonic All-Stars. Okay. <laughs> Sega All-Stars with Sonic Racer. I'm sure that that's 100% what people are. Listen, it was a clearly an influence of this episode. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> Come on. All right. So um, this guy is like, all right, well, if you don't win this race, he's got like his little guy who sounds like his little racer guy who's not a droid. And then he's like, if you like want to bet our side bet. And Sid's like, yeah. And you're like, oh, God, Sid, what the hell are you doing? And Tech's like, oh, you guys seem to have a history. and But not like in that way, in a Tech-like way. (laughs) And then they have the race. Teo crashes because the other guy like fights dirty, Saboba style, and breaks apart. And then the guy's like, all right, we're going to come and break your legs. Or, you know, that sort of thing. Because she can't pay up the extra money that she bet on the whole thing. And the whole reason, and we're like, this whole time we're like, okay, this is like Sid's gambling problem. And why are we here? But it's because she needs Wrecker for muscle. And I guess Tech is just there because, you know, he's got guns, but he wouldn't exactly call him muscle. But yeah, she needs a bodyguard. So she brought Wrecker. somewhat intimidating. And Tech comes too because they come as set. I I guess guess if you have to get one and the other one's there because he's not on the food run, then you take them both. All right. So Omega is immediately like, oh, no, this extremely um, exploitive crime boss that we work for, or I guess just under shady lady that we work for, is at risk of getting hurt. So we're going to say, no, wait. Give us another chance. We'll win the next race. And then if we win, you have to let her go. And then we'll pay you double. And they're all like, what? Omega, no, don't do that. Like, But Omega is a pure little ray of sunshine. And she doesn't want Sid to get hurt. She's too pure. And it reminded me of that time in season one when they are dealing with the pikes Oh and, God! Yeah, <laughs> that was one of those ones where I was like, "Get this child out of this environment immediately." Those are the fucking bikes. <laughs> I know it was a terrifying situation, and not only that, but this guy who they don't even know, who seems like a scumbag, who's temporarily taken Sid out of business, is then threatened with death and or bodily harm by the Pikes 
for seriously screwing up. And she decides that the most important thing to do is come to his defense. And she literally has no idea who this guy is and basically gets them all into a similar situation where they have to do this unbelievably difficult thing in order to not be like murdered by the pikes. And I just am like, this child is too pure to be constantly surrounded by like crime and vice because she thinks that everybody is actually like the best person ever. And also it is her responsibility to make sure they're okay. Even if she is like a child and they did this, they 100% got themselves into this situation and were acting stupid. And it's like, yeah, no, nobody wants to see anybody get like, murdered by gangsters but you literally have like no stake in this situation just like and this is the problem and this is what i mean this is part of an ongoing theme of this series is that omega is too pure to be around mercenaries and you know criminals but it's something that that has to happen in order for them to continue to survive and protect her and that's the whole conflict that the first episode arc was about like they're like we need to get out of the situation and this whole time text like we need to get out of the situation but and in a weird way this is a very fun one but it's clearly setting up we'll get to this as the series as the episode kind of comes to a close it's setting up for a major theme of this season because it's building off of that theme from the first two episodes yeah all right, so basically they decide, oh yeah, and then the, the gangster guy, Milegi is greeny, or <laughs> Milegi, yeah, <laughs> um, decides to uh, take uh, Sid as collateral. So Sid goes off with him, and Tech and Wrecker and Omega are suddenly tasked with repairing uh, John Raffio so he can race again. <laughs> and you gotta go fast. You gotta go fast, okay. So they're working on him, but he is, while they're working on him, also Tech is kind of, first of all, he's saying a few things like, I think that we should probably, Sid seems to like run with a bad crowd and we should really probably stop doing this. Listen to him. (laughs) Meanwhile, he's also noticing certain things that like about... Teo's uh, strategy programming that don't seem to be always the right decision in racing that he's like maybe you should do this instead and Teo's like don't don't tell me what to do <laughs> and then as they're they fixed him they're ready to go for the next race uh, another uh, race speeder crashes into Teo and breaks them all up there's no way they're gonna that was the time. funniest thing I have ever seen like no it was hilarious joke. I was cackling genuinely <laughs> that the timing and everything yep. of it was just so fucking funny and it's like the most hilarious thing is like if that had been a human being you know that with the tone of this whole racing enterprise that similarly the guy would have just gotten out and like, yeah, just that like was my shrugged. favorite part. His little the shrug. random, yeah, the random like racer you know, racer gets out of his pod and it's just like, ah, you know, what's whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if that had been a person and their limbs had been like all over the track, he still would have been like, eh, it is what it is. And then, so then, of course, they're like, what are we gonna do? It's like such a sports movie, and they're like, oh no! And then text like, all race because he's been like studying the strategy, and I'm listen. Everyone's like, oh, tech? 
But like, we remember him Tokyo drifting last season. Tech's the captain of the Marauder, or he's he's the one who dra- who pilots it, and he knows how to fly. He does crazy, yeah, Tokyo drift shit with that, as we recall from. Oh last yeah, season. so good. He's so he's gonna that. he's gonna fucking kill it, and so yeah. they have him go be the racer. They're announcing all the racers. It's like the beginning of the pod race scene in. Phantom Menace, I'm full of all the wonderful Phantom Menace feelings. They announce tech and everyone's like, what kind of name is that? <laughs> the tech, it's just tech? That, is that really his name? <laughs> Anyone know this guy? <laughs> Whatever. Tech, okay. tech is unbothered. My, my favorite thing about that too, and they don't really touch they on it give it a fake name. Like, tech is technically a fake name. Okay. His real identification is like a series of numbers. Tech okay. is technically a fake name. Okay, okay. It's not like anyone's going to trace it back to him. I mean, I guess at this point they're working off of the concept that the Empire thinks they're dead. So they're probably not trying to be too careful. And technically Tech is a fake <laughs> name. All of their names are fake. Technically. But you okay, know what? But- All names are fake when you really think about it, right? Man, <laughs> Star Wars makes me think. <laughs> I hate that. I hate that. Okay, so <laughs> we're getting back to it. Sorry, this episode has me in a silly, goofy mood. <laughs> I was literally earlier about to quote a vine, and I had to pull back and stop myself because okay, I don't yeah. know. We, well, I mean, feel free to quote a vine. Well, I was going to say this is a talk of the clones, after all. Like we, this is how we talk. <laughs> I was. We'll get to it. I, there's a better, more appropriate moment. Okay, for me to quote this vine. Okay, so then. I also need to point out that it was so funny that all but like two of the racers were droids clearly pointing out to everybody involved that this is an extremely dangerous sport. And I was like, at a certain point, I was like, this is literally like what was like the fighting robots, you know? You know, the shows, the all the sh- fighting robot shows where you Yeah, just I remember go, oh, that. Wait, what battle, was, that? was it called? Battlebots. Battlebots. Battle <laughs> yeah, and it's like they're actually just, you know, you think they're going to come out there. I, I don't want to get on a whole thing about Battlebots, but <laughs> it just made me think about Battlebots. Because I'm like, obviously, this ridiculous, souped-up race where it's like a demolition derby where everything is like live fire lasers and like buzz saws. It's like... There has to be some kind of reason why this is mostly droids, and it's because it's ridiculous. And then I'm like, but if it's so ridiculous, then why are there like two or three human and or alien pilots? It's like clearly there aren't actual rules barring living people from participating. It's just that some people are just some of these racers are just I I don't know what I'm saying about this. Other than it made me think about battlebots. Battlebots. <laughs> that's what you're saying. All right, so the race is on. They're doing their thing. Uh, people are playing dirty. Tech is starting out behind, uh, but he's got a strategy. And then mm-hmm. Omega's like, don't take the left tunnel. It's a death trap. Of course, Tech's going to take the left tunnel because this mm-hmm. is an 80s sports movie. Um, mm-hmm. Tech has his I am a Jedi like my father before me moment when he when he ejects his weapons section to like go yes, faster. You heard the voice of Obi-Wan. <laughs> He's like where I'm going to quote the vine and say that he needs speed. 
He needs speed. He must, how must he achieve speed? <laughs> okay. Glad that you did that. Um, so that's out of my system now. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. So, <laughs> so, it's over with. So now they're... Um, you can cut that. I don't care. It's fine. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll cut that bit. <laughs> Nobody needs to know about your... Uh, Inability to not quote vines. No, it's right. okay. Leave it in. They should know. Oh, right, yeah, actually. That's this is what... probably going to continue. Oh, God. Okay. We'll find a way. <sighs> we'll find a way to make it a running bit. No. All right. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, Tech has his Jedi moment and drops his weapons, and they're like, what are you going to do without your, your weapons? But he has a plan, and he goes... He he goes fast into the. He needs speed. It, He's Allison, go sh- fast. Shut the fuck up. Okay, he goes into the tunnel, the death trap tunnel. He knows what he's doing. Long story short, Tech texts the fuck out of the whole situation. He Tokyo drifts. <laughs> he's smart. He knows what's up. He wins the race. Everyone's like Tech, woo! Which is like you know I'm always like that, but everyone's on the same page now. And then they get. Sid back. Tech gets a little cheer moment from the crowd. He's like, oh my god, what do I, how do I react to uh, this sort of reaction? I'm usually uh, underappreciated, let's just say. <laughs> and then, yeah, and basically everything's good. Then Mr. Uh, uh, Mr. Malegi is like, hey, by the way, because they have like a moment with Malegi before they all go back. Uh, Sid's already left the room and He's like, yeah, Sid's uh, sketchy, and she has a lot of uh, dirty dealings in her past, and she can't be trusted, so watch your backs. And then they walk away. What do you think? Well, there's a lot that is being foreshadowed here, mm-hmm. and it's playing back into that earlier, you know, the, the season opener about this need and this kind of fear that they have that if they keep working for Sid, it's that they need to be working for Sid, but they realize it's a terrible deal and that they're essentially, you know, they're in a position where they're not really free because they know that, that they can't leave such a lucrative and um, predictable kind of job more or less. But yeah. they also are just continually reminded that it is so unsafe to be raising a child under these circumstances. And, you know, whether it's killer crabs from outer space or, <laughs> <laughs> or like rollerball, like she's constantly getting into these <laughs> one movie, one genre film after another, <laughs> just throwing them in, replace the clowns with crabs. The point is, she's constantly in places where no child should be. And they're doing it because they need to support her and they need to be able to feed her. And there's also the fact that they know that Sid knows who they are and where they came from and that they're on the run. And she's kind of just telling all of these people, like she was telling that associate uh, whose name I can't remember the voice by Wanda Sykes, that they're clones. Like she's telling everybody and maybe you can, yeah, she's like, these are those rogue clones who are wanted she's by the Empire. Everybody, she's what? so you work for like you're surrounded by criminals. Don't tell them that. <laughs> it's so uh it's they, ridiculous. can't they find somebody else who will pay them for odd jobs. Well, that's clearly what's going on, is they're recognizing at this point 
it's like, we're not the only ones who are like, why are they still here? They're like, why are we still here? And they've been that way since season one. Mm -hmm. And then the way that this ends, they're clearly saying that she can't be trusted. They're putting their lives on the line to protect her from... To protect her gambling problems. Yes. Her own mistakes that she is getting... um, that she is that are coming up and and coming back to bite her. Yeah. It's it's so ridiculous and they know it's ridiculous and this guy is literally saying like eventually it's not going to be worth it. She can't be trusted. She's not your friend. This is playing into a lot of the anxieties that they're that they're thinking about and I can't help but think that it's going to be coming to a head at some point this season that they're going to have to make a choice. It's going to, they're going to run out of time to be wavering on this and they have to find a way out. And who knows if it's going to be because of something that she does to purposely um, like betray them and sell them out. Or if it's just going to be some kind of carelessness on her part or just their association with her that's going to screw them in the end. But it's definitely going to be a part of this season because they're already establishing it from the very beginning. Yep. All right. Any predictions for next week? Our episode is called Intuned next week. Mm. So my prediction is it's going to be a, a another serious one. It's going to be a doozy because um, they never let us have more than one fun one in a row. Like, there were some really great fun ones last season, but they still felt, like, very few and far between. Mm -hmm. So we got a chance to be, like, really, like, loopy on this one and talk about, you know, the 80s movie tropes, but I don't think that that's going to be a thing next week. And you know what? If it is, I will be happy because I love it. There's always something. This was a great episode. There's always a a reason to talk about Rollerball. Yeah. Exactly. Sonic the Hedgehog. Sometimes it's it's harder to to make those connections. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I'm thinking maybe we'll go back to Crosshair or something to do with that. But also, I feel like it'd be really cool to have, I don't know, I I also missed Hunter and and Echo in this one. Mm -hmm. So can't wait to see them again. So we will see you guys then or talk to y'all then. But until then, this has been... clones (laughs) we need to come up we seriously need to come up with a real sign off because we don't have one and that's no here's our sign off uh uh, come up with something else (laughs) yeah um i don't have anything to be watch this space we'll have this space yeah it's it's still a new podcast a talk of the clones uh follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Obviously, you're following Best One Since the Next One because we are presented by Best One Since the Next One. Uh, ring that bell on Spotify so you don't miss an episode. Give us a review. Um, please don't deduct anything for Allison's Vine references. We're going to ha- get them under control. Add a star for my Vine references. <laughs> oh, don't. Okay. Oh, do. Do. Yeah, five stars, please. Five stars. Yeah. Um, what are you saying? Yeah, yeah, do. Follow on the socials. Um And catch us next week for more Attack of the Clones. Bye. Bye.